So um, I want to explain a little bit more about myself. So um, I, uh, I grew up in a non-Christian home. My parents weren't churchgoers at all, although I think they believed in God uh, as I was growing up. And at the age of seven, my best friend, is still, still my best friend, I've known him for pretty much my whole life, uh, invited me along to church. And at 15, I gave my life to Jesus and was baptized. Now, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Uh, so I've been doing youth work all over in different places for about 15 years in voluntary capacities. I used to be a detached youth worker and I used to go out on the streets in all kinds of weird weathers and engage with uh, young people in, in my hometown. And also, um, most recently before I came to work at Bowman Vineyard, I served God in a place called San Antonio in Ibiza, uh, working with 24-7 prayer and I'll explain a little bit more about that uh, later on. So this year's theme is tribe. And uh, we've looked at uh, many different aspects of, of the word tribe. We've looked at, on the first night, we looked that we are one tribe. On Saturday morning, we looked that we are a chosen tribe. Uh, Zeke did an amazing job talking about the fact that we need to be a pure tribe. And then Suze last night spoke about the fact that we need to be a power tribe filled with the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I've got the uh, amazing task of talking to you about uh, all of us being a sent tribe, sent from this place back home to wherever we come from. So, how are you feeling about it being the last morning here at DTI? Some of you might be really happy. You're going home to a nice warm bed, a shower, some, uh, some vegetables. Some, uh, some of our group are like, yeah, I want a carrot. They've never said that before in their life. Some of you might have mixed feelings about going back. Perhaps some of you have given your life to Jesus here this weekend and you're quite nervous and apprehensive about what actually that's going to look like when you get back home. Maybe you've got friends or family who aren't Christians. Maybe you're going to be the only one in your family who isn't a Christian. I can totally relate to that, as I mentioned the other night. Pretty much predominantly, I'd say 90% of my family aren't Christians. And so that can be quite a hard place. But I want to encourage you that this weekend is going to be the start of the most exciting adventure that you've ever undertaken. You, as you return home, are taking with you the most powerful being in the Holy Spirit. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you that is going to change lives, it's going to change schools, it's going to change your college, your family, it's going to change the town or the city that you live in. And ultimately, the power of the Holy Spirit can change this nation once more. And as I was preparing for this talk, I felt that God wanted to speak to many of you here this morning to encourage you, to empower you, and to equip you for all that God has got for each and every one of us as we go back home. God's got specific things for each of us, I think. And as I share this morning, God is going to, I think, plant things or people into your head and heart that he has got, that he wants you to either share uh, Jesus with or show Jesus' love to. God is calling each of us to be history makers. The passage that we've looked at uh, this, this weekend has been from Ephesians 4, and um, I'm going to pick it up at verses 1 to 4. So it's going to come up on the screen. It's from the message version, so if you've got your Bible, you want, might want to follow it with me. And it says this. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. 
on the road that God has called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting on your hands. I don't want any of you strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that what you do with this, uh, mark what you do with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Now, Paul, the guy who writes this, is writing the whole book of Ephesians to encourage the Christians in Ephesus. Paul wants you and I to know that this, uh, that we, who we are in Jesus, and despite all the difficulties that we're going to face, and I'm not here to say that following Jesus is going to be easy, but it is an adventure, it is great. Anyway, despite all the difficulties that we're going to face, uh, uh, Paul wants to encourage us in that. I mean, Paul is writing this while he's in prison. So he's, he's in a pretty tight, difficult spot. And also, Paul wants to encourage us that God has got specific things for each and every one of us. So this morning, I just want to share three uh, kind of points with you this morning. I want to share that we are sent to share. I want to say that we are sent to show. And I want to say that we are sent to stand. So firstly, we're sent to share. Now, when I first started uh, dating Amy, we went out quite a lot for uh, meals around different places. It's something we enjoy doing. Uh, We enjoy having that kind of time where we've got no other distractions, we can have a good chat, and um, we, we do enjoy having a, a meal together, but there is one thing that I don't really enjoy about having meals with Amy, or anyone actually in particular, and that is, um, I am a massive disliker of sharing food. Who else is with me? Yeah. Oh, there's more of you. Yes. I didn't think it was going to be anyone. I thought it was going to be like tumbleweed. I'm the only one. Uh, now, don't judge me. I'm going to explain myself a little bit. Uh, now, this whole sharing food thing has become a bit more uh, of a story for Amy. She likes to embarrass me quite a lot when, uh, when we go out for dinner. So she'll share this story with our friends who don't know. And I get that kind of, oh, you're a bit selfish kind of a look from people. They don't actually say it because obviously we're British and we don't do that kind of thing. But, you know, they give you that glare just to say, uh, you know, you're a bit selfish. In fact, I think a few people in the front row gave me that, that look. And... Um, The fact is, I just don't like sharing food. And the worst food to share, anyone want to guess what the worst food to share is? Dessert, I think, is the worst food to share. So I'm happy, we've had a nice meal, I'm happy to buy Amy dessert if she wants dessert. I'm happy to buy her two desserts if she wants two desserts. What I'm not happy about is when I order that lovely piece of cheesecake, you know, really good cheesecake. And it comes along, and uh, Amy's already said, oh, no, I don't fancy dessert. Mine comes along. Yeah, someone knows what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going with this. Mine comes along, and uh, Amy's like, oh, can I, um, can I just have a bit of that dessert? Oh, I didn't think you wanted dessert. Well, I don't really want dessert, but that looks really good. Just order dessert. I'm happy to pay for it. I don't want share food. don't like it. So if you, if you see me around, and I've got food in my hand, don't ask. You'll be thoroughly disappointed. You know, sharing can be a difficult thing, particularly if you've got brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, hmm, hmm. I'm the youngest of three, so, um, yeah, I got everything. It's good. I didn't have to share anything because uh, there's a big age gap between me and my sister. But I think one of the hardest things that I find to share, apart from dessert and generally food, is, uh, is about Jesus. 
I'm going to be honest with you, I find it difficult to share about Jesus. I have done in the past, and to some extent I still do now. But why is that? Why do we find it, why do I find it so difficult to share about Jesus, the life-changing, destiny-changing story of Jesus? Why do we find it so difficult to share? You know, the world is in desperate need of Jesus. Your school needs Jesus. Your teachers need Jesus. Whether you like them or not, they still need Jesus. Your street, your town, your city, they all need to hear about Jesus. So how do we go about making Jesus known in the places that uh, God has put us? Well, after Jesus had died and then was resurrected, he, uh, he met quite a lot of his followers. And in the last part of the Gospel of Matthew, we see Jesus giving the 11 disciples something called the Great Commission. And it says this, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Now, this isn't just something that was given to 11 disciples and they kind of went off. Actually, this is something that Jesus is commanding each and every one of us that are followers of him to do. It's not, it's not that we have a choice. Well, we kind of do have a choice. We can sit there after becoming a Christian and go, that's great. I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to say anything to anybody. I'm just going to enjoy my life with Jesus and then I'll get to, to, to heaven and that'll be great. Actually... We're called to more than that. We're called to share. We're called to share this good news of Jesus with everybody and anybody. You know, at some point in the past, somebody has shared about Jesus with you. It might have been your parents. It might have been a kids or a youth leader. It might have been here at DTI. Somebody, Zeke or Suze or Ben or one of your leaders has shared to you about Jesus And you know, that's what, is, that's what matters. That is the key to share, that somebody was bold enough to share the good news of Jesus to you. You know, my best mate invited me along to, G uh, not to Jesus, well, he did kind of, he invited me along to church when I was seven. And ultimately, that invite and him telling me about Jesus resulted in me becoming a Christian at 15. It's powerful stuff. All because he took a step out and shared. Now, imagine... We've spoke about it. Imagine that next year, DTI 2018 is here, and each and every one of you has shared uh, the good news of Jesus with your mates, and at least one of them has decided to follow Jesus at some point in the next year, and they say to you, yeah, I want to come along to DTI next year. If that happens, next year we're going to have 2,000 people sitting in this tent. Yeah. And if that happens the year after that, we're going to have 4,000 people sitting in this tent. It's growing. It's going slightly back. And then 8,000 and 16,000. Susie's panicking over here. Don't worry. But that's what we want to see. We want to see young people's lives changed. And it's not something that we should shy away from doing. We can shy away from a lot. Jesus doesn't say, well, if you want to do it, you can. But, you know, don't worry about it if you don't want to do it. It's okay. He doesn't say that. It's a command. Jesus commands us to, uh, to call people, to share the gospel. 
And even, in, uh, even Paul in the Ephesians 4 passage says that we need to get out there and run the race and share. This is our mission. Now, mission is a word that maybe you've heard around church a little bit. Uh, many churches will have a mission statement or a slogan which identify what the church is seeking to do or to be. Maybe a school or college has got a mission statement. Mine was that um, my old school was that everybody achieves um, something I obviously didn't get that memo uh, because I didn't, in, in the schools I achieved, so I don't know whether they failed on that or whether I just failed. Anyway, uh, so most, most shops and places and restaurants and bars and everything will have slogans. So I'm going to call out some slogans to you and I want you to shout back to me what, you, what company or brand you think uh, they're from, okay? So, you ready? Clear your voice. <coughs> okay. Every little helps. Right, this is good. Okay, second one, eat fresh. Subway, good. Now, uh, you have to forgive my um, saying of this, okay? Because I don't speak German. Vorsprung duck technique. Audi, yeah, good. Good. What about this one? The makeup of makeup artists. Max Factor, well done. Well done to the guy on the third row here who got that. By the way, my wife is a qualified makeup artist, and she said not very many makeup artists actually use Max Factor, so I don't know that's it. Uh, and then finally, it gives you wings. Red Bull, brilliant. Now, these slogans and mission statements are everywhere. Everywhere you go, you will see them. And Jesus was clear about what our mission as Christians should be. The most important thing all of us are called to is to share the good news about Jesus. The difference that is made in our lives, that's why we encourage you to share stories, because it tells people the difference that Jesus is making in our lives. We need to tell people about the cross and the resurrection and the hope that we have. The one thing the world needs right now is Jesus. And we are called to be a tribe to tell others about Jesus in our streets and our schools and colleges, towns and cities. It's scary, as I said earlier, and some of the responses that we get from people we're probably not going to like, but we need to do it all the same. Now, we recently had a guy come to Birmingham Vineyard called Scott McNamara. He's a great guy from uh, Northern Ireland, and uh, he uh, came and shared with us about his experiences of sharing Jesus on the street in his hometown, where they've seen Literally hundreds and thousands of people come to know Jesus. And so he shares this stuff with us. And, um, and as a team, we decide now that twice a week we're going to go out on the streets of Birmingham and share uh, with people about Jesus. I have to say, it's probably one of the most petrifying things I've ever done in my entire life. I don't really shy away from doing a lot of things. But I can tell you that that is one of the biggest challenges I've faced in the last few years going out there and telling people about the good news of Jesus. But we did it, and we've seen people come to know Jesus and join the tribe already. In fact, one of our youth leaders, we had, a, we had Scott come and talk to uh, ourselves and Coventry Vineyard, yeah, and North Birmingham Vineyard. And um, Scott came and shared with the three groups, and uh, we ordered masses of pizza for us all. And the Papa John guy, delivery guy, pulls up outside, and, uh, and one of our youth leaders is like, right, I'm going to go and talk to him. So she goes outside. She starts talking to the guy. She prays for him. The guy feels the power of the Holy Spirit on him, and he gives his life to Jesus right there and then outside of Vineyard. 
You see, when we share Jesus' promises that he was going to be with us, it's nerve-wracking, but we don't do it in our own strength. We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Scott uses this great analogy, this great picture to kind of explain this. So when we go out on the streets, imagine everybody that you see is like an apple on a tree. And as you share the gospel, the Holy Spirit starts moving and shaking the tree. And when people are ready to hear the good news about Jesus, they fall. So simply, you share, he shakes, and it takes the pressure completely off us because it's all, you then completely rely on the Holy Spirit to do his stuff. So we're sent to share. Secondly, we're sent to show. Uh, just a quick aside, some of you guys have showed uh, the love to a lot of people here by pegging us all weekend. I've actually just sat down over there and I was like, what is that on my back? And I was like, someone's pegged me, great. There's, a, there's actually a little collection of pegs going on down there. So you've showed Jesus to us, thank you for that. And then also last night, I was just, you know that point where you're just about to drop off to sleep, you're really chilled and relaxed. I was lying in my tent, all, all warm. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I don't, I don't know if they're in the room, but all of a sudden, somebody fell on me that got pushed by their mate into my tent. So if you fell in an orange tent last night, up there, near the food place, I want to see you after, okay? <laughs> it was at least another half an hour before I got to sleep. Anyway, we're called to show uh, Jesus' love to all the people that we meet. And in Vineyard, we've got this kind of slogan or mission statement, if you like, something that de describes what we do, and it's to extend the kingdom everywhere and in every way. You see, you are a unique person. We sang about it earlier, that from your mother's womb, God created you. He knew who you were. He knew what the passions and giftings that you were going to have. So maybe this morning you're thinking, well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. We're going to pray for you later that God is going to give you something to be passionate about. Maybe you're passionate about ending human trafficking. Maybe you're passionate about people having access to clean water. Maybe you're passionate about homeless communities in your places that you live. Or maybe you're passionate about making sure that that person at school who's always left out isn't left out. We all have these passions. We all have these things that God put inside of us. And we need to do something about it. Now, I've served Jesus in different ways over my time. I've been on short-term mission trips. And the only reason, really, that I do those short-term mission trips is to, because I want to show people the love of Jesus. And uh, before we moved to Ibiza, um, a lot of people asked Amy and I, why are you moving to San Antonio? Why are you moving to Ibiza? Why are you giving up two full-time jobs and becoming missionaries? And... Uh, it's, it's simple, really. It wasn't anything to do with the fact that Amy or I like dance music or nightclubs. As you can, I, know, I know it looks different, but I actually, apart from sharing food, I actually hate other things. One of them is dancing. I, I know. I'm sorry. No, I'm not dancing. No, no, no. That's my group. No, <laughs> I'm not dancing. I can't dance. Uh, I've, I've only danced once in my life, and that was at my wedding um, so if you see me dancing, then I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit's come on me and I'm dancing. But 
Ibiza is famous for um, the world's biggest DJs coming to play. It attracts hundreds of thousands, millions of people from all over the world, mainly from the UK and Ireland, but other people as well, to come to these big nightclubs. In fact, the biggest nightclub in the world is in Ibiza, and it holds 10,000 people. But I didn't go for those nightclubs. I didn't go for the dancing. I didn't even go for the hot weather. I'm not a particularly massive fan of really stifling heat. I, was, I didn't also go because I thought the fact of working till 7 a.m. every morning was going to be uh, bliss. I went, or we went, Amy and I went, because God clearly called us to go. God called us to go to share his love, his compassion, and his mercy for the people uh, that were in Ibiza. And as we prayed for people, which was the first and foremost thing that we did, we saw God uh, do some powerful things. And I want to share two stories with you just about that. So firstly, um, we were going down the West End, which is basically a, a road in the middle of San Antonio with just bars, literally just bars all the way down. And uh, we, get, uh, we come alongside this girl, she's about 18 years old, just crying her eyes out. And uh, we started chatting to her nan and her brother, and we found out that her mum had died two years previously to that of cancer. And she was in Ibiza to have a holiday with her nan and brother. And in fact, her nan then went on to explain that several of their family had also passed away in recent years. And um, my heart broke for this family. And I, I literally didn't know what to say. I mean, what do you say? What can you do? So we just said, could we pray for you? And the nan said to me, I'm not religious. How can I believe in a God when this has happened to us? And as I looked on the family, I felt God say to me, don't try to explain that. In my head, I was thinking, I need to try and explain that. But God was saying, don't try and explain it. Don't push it. Just mourn. Mourn with them. So that's what we did. We just sat there. We listened to them. We cried with them. And later on in the center, we prayed for them as a family. And the second story I want to share with you is... Um, so one of the other things we used to do in Ibiza is we used to help people get back to their hotels. Uh, they were slightly too intoxicated from a bit too much uh, drink and taxis wouldn't take them. So we had the vomit van, which was a, uh, yeah, it, is that, it does exactly what it says on the tin, uh, which was a big people carrier, which we basically helped those people who couldn't get home up by themselves back to their hotels. And so we got called to this uh, one bar and we met a girl outside who was literally uh, drunk, as drunk as you can get, on her own, pretty vulnerable. And so we said, okay, she was, she was a little bit communicative, so we said, okay, can we get you back to the hotel? Yeah, yeah, we found out. She was wearing a wristband with a hotel name on, so she, we knew where she was staying, which was great. So we're like, okay, we'll just get the vomit van, and we'll, we'll help you to the van, we'll take you back to your hotel room, and, uh, you know. And so, um, so about halfway to the van, the girl turns to me and said, I, I need to go for a wee. And I was like, okay, uh, well, we'll get you back to your hotel and then you, know, you can do it there. She's like, no, no, I need to go for a wee. It's like, right, okay. And before I knew it, uh, and I'm not sharing this story because it's, it's kind of funny, but I'm not sharing it because I want to embarrass her. 
but before I knew it, she'd started weeing right there and then on the street. Um, and unfortunately for me, um, my foot happened to be right underneath where she was weeing. Yeah. And um, I was wearing trainers. There was a big debate whether you wear flip-flops or trainers. This was definitely uh, a positive thing for trainers because the trainers took most of the hit. But if I had moved my foot, the girl would have fell over. So I just had to stand there. Take one for the team. Oh, the story gets better. So we get her into the vomit van and we take her back to the hotel. And uh, we have just got in the lift. And this girl's a bit more conscious now than what she was when we first met her. And uh, I pressed the button to the floor numbers with my teammate female teammate and uh, pressed the, the doorbell and she was just standing in front of me and then all of a sudden, I might get in trouble for sharing this, but all of a sudden she started to twerk right in front of me and I was like, oh, this is not good. And I was thinking, it's okay, my, my teammate here, she'll, she'll stop it. So I look over to her, oh, you're laughing, great, that's really helpful, thanks for that. So I've not only been weed on, but this girl is also twerking me in a lift. And I, I was like, this is not good. Anyway, we, we got back to a hotel room and we um, put her to bed and, uh, and that's the end of that story. And I didn't see her again. Now I'm not sharing these stories because um, they both suddenly had a, an epiphany and became Christians there and then. They didn't, as far as I know, they haven't. But the important thing in both cases is that we show Jesus's love and compassion. And that's what we all are called to do, to show his love, mercy, justice and compassion no matter where we are. And in this passage in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about the fact that we shouldn't be sitting on our hands, we should be doing stuff. And to ignore what Paul is saying here, actually, and to ignore what's going on in the world around us, is not good. You know, we need to get in there and get our hands dirty, or feet dirty in my case. And that, to, to, to others that may have seen it, that might have shown Jesus' compassion and love. And sometimes Jesus calls us to things that just are not glamorous. I mean, neither of those two stories are particularly glamorous. They're not flashy. And to be honest, I doubt if anybody actually saw either of those two scenarios. But we don't do it for people's approval. We don't do it because we want people to see what the good works that we're doing. We do it because we want to show Jesus' love to each and every person that we come into contact with, context, uh, contact with. We need to extend God's kingdom in all the places that we're from. There are over 50 vineyards here represented. That's 50 towns or cities. That's, I don't know how many schools or colleges and probably from September universities that are going to be represented. Countless sports clubs, countless music clubs, countless roads and neighborhoods and families that you're all going back to. So as you head back to where you're from, what is it that Jesus is calling you to do? How are you going to show Jesus' love? How, is you, how are you as a youth group going to show and make a difference in your community that you're from? See, Jesus was clear in his understanding of what we need to do about it when it comes to showing his love. In Matthew 25, we read the story about uh, the sheep and goats. In it, Jesus calls those who are uh, chosen to follow him. He calls a sheep. And he, he calls them to do this. He says, he says to the sheep, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. 
I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit. Jesus' followers, the sheep, then ask him, when did, we see, uh, when did we do these things for you, Jesus? And Jesus replies saying, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. So basically, when we're showing Jesus' love and mercy and compassion, we should be doing it as if it was Jesus himself that was standing right in front of us. Doing it as Jesus did it. You see, Jesus always showed compassion to the people that he met. He, uh, he healed them. He listened to them. He spoke up for those who couldn't speak up for themselves in society. Jesus is and was the most compassionate person that has ever walked the face of this earth. I truly believe that. And I encourage you to read the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John and find out for yourself the stories of compassion that involve Jesus. He is truly our role model when it comes to this. Jesus also says that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. But he goes on to say that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, neighbor in this context doesn't mean your next door neighbor, although it does, but it also means anybody that you meet, any person. Jesus challenges the world's view at the time, and I think even more so challenges our worldview now, that it's not about us, it's not about you. You're not the most important person in the world. The world tries to say that we are. It says, look after yourself, treat yourself, make you number one. We're bombarded with adverts and messages all the time saying, you know, you deserve this. L'Oreal, because you're worth it. I don't use L'Oreal, by the way, just so. Uh, and we put ourselves at the center, sometimes we put ourselves at the center of the universe, when really we should be putting other people's needs and desires in front of our own. Let's face it, all of us love ourselves at some point in our lives, but if we combine what Jesus says about loving our neighbor and feeding the hungry, giving the thirsty a drink, giving the people shelter, clothing people or talking to people, then we begin to see the kind of thing that Jesus is calling each of us to do. To put others above ourselves is to truly love our neighbor. And again, we don't do this by ourselves, we don't do this in our own strength, because if we did, I wouldn't, have stayed, I wouldn't have left my foot there. I would have taken it away. We do it in partnership, as Sue said last night, with the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who prompts our hearts and minds to do these things. This is God living in us. And when we do it, it might not be easy. It might be sacrificial. It's not glamorous always. But a lot of what Jesus did wasn't either. We do it because we want others to see the love of Jesus, the love of the one that created them. In that passage in Ephesians 4, Paul states these words, we are to pour ourselves out for each other in acts of love. So what is it that the Holy Spirit is challenging you to do? What is the Holy Spirit challenging you to get involved in? How are you going to show his love to those people that you meet when you get back home? So, we're sent to serve, we're sent to show, and finally, we're sent to stand. So, back to my question earlier. How are you feeling about going home this morning? You see, when I was a teenager many years ago, yes, I know, back in the 90s, probably most of you weren't even born then, uh, I remember going to events like this, similar to this, like Soul Survivor and stuff, and uh, 
having an encounter with Jesus, being full of faith, being ready to take this challenge that was set before me, going home, telling all my friends and family about Jesus, showing Jesus to as many, showing Jesus' love to as many people as I possibly could. But then the reality of home hit, and I kind of took a nosedive, and I kind of pretty much went back to where I was before I went. Well, this morning, I want to let you know, as followers of Jesus, you are in a battle. A battle that has been ultimately won by Jesus, but a battle that needs to be fought each and every day. And the battle is against the devil. The devil doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want me to succeed. He doesn't want your friends or family to know Jesus. I'm just being real. He doesn't want you to know Jesus. Those of you who become Christians here this weekend, he didn't want that. We want that. Jesus wants that, but he didn't want that. The devil doesn't want, to know, doesn't want people to know how much Jesus has done for each of them. He doesn't want them to know how much he loves them, what he's created them for, how special and unique each and every person is. So he tries to distract us in any way that he possibly can. He tries to convince us that when you step out and share Jesus or you show Jesus, that actually it's going to make no difference and you're just going to get laughed at. You're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get persecuted. It's not going to make any difference. DTI 2017, we have all we need to fight this fight. We're a tribe. We've got each other. We've got this whole tribe to pray for each of us, to support us, to help us. We need to be a tribe that is known for caring and encouraging each other. Maybe today you've felt the need that you think, I know I'm going to start a CU in my school. There's not one there at the moment. That is brilliant. I encourage you to do that. But tell others in your group who maybe go to the same school or college, tell others in your group who don't go to the same school and college so that they can pray for you, so they can support you. Tell your youth leaders so they can support you. Tell your church so they can support and pray for you. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, make sure you get others to support and pray for you while you're doing it. We're on the same side, and we're in this battle together. So, who packed their own bag for DTI this weekend? Let me show your hands. Oh, quite a lot. Who would be brave enough to admit that their mum and dad packed their bag for them? Some leaders have even got their hands up here. It's a bit weird. I used to get my mum to pack my bag for me, I'll be honest. There you go. I don't anymore. I get my wife to do it. No, I don't. Um, who, who forgot something this weekend that they should have brought? Yeah, we've all forgotten it. I'm not going to lie, by the smells of it, some of you forgotten, forgot some deodorant, I think. So, uh, but it's okay, you're going home. No, so. But when you go away somewhere, whether it's to DTI or whether you're about to get involved in some sport, you need to make sure that you've got all you need to participate in that. So if you'd forgotten your sleeping bag this weekend, that is not a good thing. Did, did anyone forget a sleeping bag this weekend? No one's going to admit it, are they? No. Oh, good. Okay. You see, on the football pitch yesterday, I didn't see anybody wearing ice skates. Although that would have been quite fun. Well, maybe not for the first day team, but it would have been quite fun to see. You, you pack, excuse me, you pack what you need. I don't, <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. This happens to me more often than I care to admit. You pack, you pack. You pack everything that you need for the, the event or the place that you're going to. And the same goes for us as we seek to share and show about Jesus. 
God has given us an ar armor to use against the schemes and the tactics that the devil would try to come in to seek and destroy what we're doing. In Ephesians 6, Paul outlines this armor, which we need to put on every day. It says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Therefore, put on the armor of God so that when the de day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In, a, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So this is our kit list for the battle. If we were writing a kit list for going home, this would be the kit list that you would need to help you stand, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. We need to make sure, DTI, that we pack all these things every day. I'm not going to stand here and say it's going to be easy, it's a daily battle, but just as when we share or show Jesus, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, to protect us and to remind us of this armour. And I think this morning some of you need to be reminded of this power that we have at our disposal. Finally, Paul says in Ephesians 4, our passage for this weekend, that we are to mark what we do with humility and discipline. To be, as we share, show, and stand, consistent and not in fits and starts. Let the adventure of Jesus be in all that you do, not just in some areas. You are a tribe marked to stand for, encourage, and love those both inside and outside of the tribe. So as you leave DTI, remember that the Holy Spirit is with you wherever you go. Ask him to be in each conversation that you have to reveal Jesus to the person that you're talking to. Ask him to show you when you're showing Jesus' love to people. Ask him to show Jesus to those people that you connecting with and ask the Holy Spirit to stand with you he will it's a promise why don't we just bow our heads I'm just going to pray and then we're just going to move into a time of ministry yeah Jesus you're wonderful so good to us and we thank you that when we stand for you that you're standing right beside us we pray that as we leave this place as we show your love to people that we come into contact with that your um, love for each and every person would be revealed and Jesus, as we share this good news with people, would your Holy Spirit be at work? Would the Holy Spirit be revealing the person of Jesus to the people that we're talking to? As we share, Holy Spirit, would you shake? Would you give us boldness and confidence? 
Would you give us compassion? And Jesus, would you walk with us as we seek to serve you each and every day of our lives? Amen.